Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings, I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ms. Glenda Jones and Ms. Zawadi Powell. Hey, ladies, how are you today? Awesome. Good, good. How things been since we last talked? Any things come up that you all want to talk about? Well, since we last talked, I just wanted to say that um, I told my story and and my sister helped me with so many things and I love her so much. (laughs) And I did not intentionally forget to mention my sister Imani. She did my website. She's my motivational speaker and <laughs> please don't be mad at me got <laughs> to get it people credit where credit is due yeah, absolutely <laughs> okay family love yeah mm-hmm. yeah these are some interesting times that are going on in our culture right now and spirit seems to be making things happen all over the place mm-hmm. um So we're going to have some interesting conversations moving forward. Today we're going to talk and do our final interview of the three of us with Miss Clinda Jones, talking about her path of spirituality. Um, So let's dive into that. Uh, Why don't we just have you... Tell us everything, Glenda. Talk about your yeah. Talk about your path of um, coming to understand spirit. Uh, Coming to understand spirit. So I can say that I still don't understand spirit fully. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am still seeking. Well, it's one of those mysteries of life that I don't. (laughs) Do we ever fully understand? I'm with you on that. Um, I like to say as I think about what my spiritual practice is, I am, my spiritual, so my religion is love. And to me, that would be the best way to describe it because I can't say that there is just one thing. If there's something that I'm going to be bound by, because the definition of the word religion or the origin of the word religion means to bound and to control. I would say love should be that for me. Mm. And that's what I work to um, be bound by love. Do you remember like when you came to that understanding or agreement with love? It has been within the last 10 years um, of my life. Um, And 
because that, no matter what I um, researched when it came to religions or spiritual practices or just life experiences, that kept being a reoccurring thing. Mm. And it was something that was very important. Um, it got me through a lot. And I love it's also gotten me into a lot. But it's gotten mm. me through a lot. So it's very important. And so... I, you know, if I'm ever asked, I have often thought, um, what would my religion be? I can't, I, I would say if it's a religion, it would have to be love. Um, Are you going to define that? No, <laughs> because I think to define it would be to limit it. Well, what if someone else feels that they want to also have love as their religion? Then how would they... What what advice would you give to them, or how would they be careful what you ask for, because it causes you to do the, do the type of work that um, isn't always going to be warm and fuzzy and not what we think love really is. Mm. Um, you know that romantic kind of love, or even the family kind of love, or. Right, because so, to truly love comes with sacrifice. It does come with sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So I kind of let me kind of start early in life. I was a really, I thought I was just a regular child. The people who knew me as a child thought I was kind of different. Um, my memories started before I was one. I remember my first birthday party. Mm. I remember learning to walk and being frustrated. When I didn't know how to walk. And my mom said I started walking at nine months. Um, I told her where I was when I learned to walk. I described <laughs> the situation of learning to walk. So you're an old soul. You came back. Evidently. <laughs> you you were fully aware. <laughs> really young. So I had a lot of memories and had a lot of thoughts. Um, in previous podcasts, I talked about... Um, my young life, I was never made to go to church. That wasn't something that I was. I had to do. My father was a gospel singer. Oh. And um, on both sides of my family, there were Baptists, or everybody can call them church people, or whatever the word is. So I spent some time around it, but my parents never really made me go to church. I don't have a vivid memory of a church service with my mother, father, and my brother, unless it was a family reunion, it was when my father was performing, or something of that type. But just like going to church on a weekly basis was not part of my life. Um, So I got to decide when I wanted to have religion in my life. Did your parents go to church on a weekly basis themselves? No. Oh, no. So that's what I'm saying. I have no memory of memories of us on a weekly basis attending a church. My father would be considered if he if if I were going to think of how he was, he was um militant was a definition that was given to him. So mm-hmm. he uh taught me about being very proud of who I was and um and I'm sure a lot of that had to, had to do with his life experiences. My mother who grew up in a family where going to church was very important. And I guess she got to an adult age and didn't have to do it anymore and decided she wouldn't make her children do it. Mm. So that was my kind of young year. So I would, would 
go to church services um, when they were singing or other events, and I saw what would happen in church. But then I saw some of those same people live a different life during the when they weren't in church. My father, um, Ibaye, God rest his soul, um, was physically and verbally abusive. Hmm. And um, I would see him and people shouting and being so excited about his gospel performance. Hmm. And then later I would see how the family, how he treated our family. And I wasn't pleased with that. Hmm. Um, so very young. My father um, taught me a lot, though. He transitioned out of this life um, at age 38. I was still very young. And in the years that I was blessed to have him in my life, even though there was abuse, there were things that I have since learned that, that he gave me that were very important. And one was pride in who I am. Um, and so with spirit, being young and seeing my father um, act the way he did, and he would—he was someone who always wanted me to be proud of me and my brother, and he wanted us to do well in school. And so my mom tells a story about me being a little girl, um, maybe five. And every time my mother went somewhere, I always wanted to go with her. And I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but on this day, I didn't want to go with her. She was going somewhere and I stayed at home and my father was there. And from her account and his account, and I remember the day I got on his lap and I talked with him about how he talks with us about being proud of us and how important it is for children to also be proud of their parents and that his behavior wasn't something that made me proud. And you just had this long conversation with him. Um, and so it was one of those uh, life-altering conversations that lasted for my father maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it changed mm-hmm. the behavior for a short period. But uh, I remember that there were times that I would have conversations with adults that were not conversations that most children would have. So I know it's kind of different. Um was always described as a ray of sunshine, which I think meant that I ran my mouth a lot and I smiled a lot. I did, <laughs> I did a lot of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of talking and um, I was always an actress or was a ballerina or something, so I had a great imagination. Um, very young, I also had an imaginary friend, and I think my imaginary friend was one of my early experiences with spirit. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I think I talked about her in one of the other podcasts, Miss Doblet, mm-hmm. who went with me everywhere and was part of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, as um, even your imaginary friend was an old lady. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know why she was a miss, but old ladies hang out with old ladies. Miss Doblet. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, after my father transitioned, um, life became really different for me. My father, my mother is a was Ivaya rest her soul is was a nurse. My father was a barber, um, had a barber shop. Um, we had a comfortable life, and after he transitioned, my life wasn't financially as comfortable, and so um, I there were lots of times where I felt I needed to take care of my mother. Hmm. Uh, even though I was a child and I was the youngest. So 
in those times, I also believe spirit guided me because it was, there were times where my mom there, I remember her being, um, attacked by someone with a barbershop razor Hmm. and she went into shock. Um, they cut her from her shoulder, her left shoulder to her waist and mm. her elbow and it cut her down to the bone and I remember spending days at the hospital as a oh. young child and knowing that I got through that in, in spirit, she, she survived mm. and began to share with me really young about what it was like to leave her body Mm -hmm. and to see herself on that table. Wow. So even though that was a traumatic experience, it was something that I remember vividly that gave me some insight Mm. into um, what it's like when you transition. So it's, it's amazing how those like painful, scary, difficult situations sometimes teach us like the most, um, extreme lessons yes they do very valuable really yeah very valuable and if we could we would all choose to avoid them but sometimes i wonder you know if they're just part well i know sometimes they're part of our path they definitely are absolutely are definitely part of the path so um of course as in previous podcasts i talked about being a teenager with my vivid dreams my where i could uh, travel in my dreams um where I could control my dreams, um, where even being able to um, visualize things that were happening in other places, like maybe in in a friend's home or... So just being that young and not really knowing the word and the, the characteristics of spirit, I use the word imagination. Hmm. And that's how I saw it. Yeah. So that's what I thought it was. That's the vocabulary for this society, and it almost dismisses it mm-hmm. and diminishes the importance of it yes. when it is exactly spirit. It is. Mm-hmm. It is definitely spirit. Um, always very creative. Um, was a cheerleader, and I danced, and I was part of all types of clubs, and being very social and a connector, and all of that. So. Um, my first experiences in church that were my choice because my early church experiences weren't my choice and they weren't very pleasant. Mm. But being um, in my early 20s, uh, after high school, I moved to Oklahoma to go to school and I began going to a church. And it was the first time that I kind of felt like I had a place in church. Mm. Um, I was in a long-term relationship um, that was ended up being a marriage, and we were together for 11 years, um, raising a, a child um, that I didn't birth her, but she was my child. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would go to church together as a family, and I would dress her like me, and um, it was just a real, it, I felt like I had a place um, in church. And once I started working, um, I remember having a conference in Las Vegas. Um, And on the way back, 
from the conference, I was in the airport. And I saw my hungover minister from my church with his beard that had grown out. And he looked like he, it, it was traumatic because mm. in my head, mm -hmm. that shouldn't have been that way. Mm. So it kind of changed my feeling about my experience in church. And so it was difficult for me to continue to go to church. After it felt that. like a betrayal. I felt very betrayed. And um, I felt that he was being hypocritical. Like the things that he said we should do was different than what he was doing. Mm. Um, and I don't even believe he even saw me. Oh, you didn't talk to him? No. Because I wasn't brave enough. And I was ashamed for him. I felt like... <sighs> He probably doesn't even want anybody. I mean, we're in Oklahoma. He's in Vegas. How about the chances of having one of his church members there? Mm. I didn't think it was very high, but I happened to be there. <laughs> so that kind of changed that whole idea um, for me for church. So I, I really stopped going as much. Um, so for me, spirit began to, I began to be a seeker. Because I knew that there was more for me, but I didn't know exactly where to find it. Um, having a prayer life became very, very important. So I prayed a considerable amount. Um, I would have conversations with the Creator um, in my prayer life. And I had to kind of learn how to do that. But... Um, and I, it was something I relied on a lot because during those years in that marriage, um, we had children in, that transit that were born and transitioned, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of um, a lot of really working through a grieving process and healing. Something that I never did therapy for, but I often had communication with the Creator, yeah. uh, with Spirit, with. Um, even some of the elders that were still living in my my life at that time. Um, but I never really was able to find exactly what it is. So I was still on this journey seeking. Um, you were trying to find love. Trying to find love, connection, and my place. Mm. And so those things were really important to me. Um during uh let me tell a story during one of the periods where um my my son was born and he was born early and i have told the story about his delivery and then waking up and the price is right was or, or, or was on the television but during his stay he was in a, in the nick unit in the neonatal icu and i can remember him doing really well, and they were so surprised at how well he had done. And he was born really early, and he was off the respirator. It was only breathing for him a small percentage, and I had spent a day with him. And I went home, and when I got on my front porch, they called me. It was I needed to go back because they said he took a turn for the worse. And I can remember because I had been a member of church, I had paid my tithes, I had done what I felt like I was supposed to do, and I was praying to God. 
like, dear God, please save my son's life. And at that time, materialistically, I had had some success, perceived success. Mm -hmm. And I owned a considerable amount of things. I was young, still in my 20s, mm -hmm. was purchased, had purchased my second home. And I had a used car uh, dealership or lot and had all kinds of different oh, things. Were making a good balling. income. Well, <laughs> some people might say that. So I'm like praying, God, please let my son live. Let my son live. Take away everything I own. But just let my son live. Oh. My son transitioned. Oh. And I was angry with God. And when I tell you angry, I was angry because I felt like I had done what I was supposed to do and now you let me down. Like, what kind of God is that? So I'm Wow. Really very angry. Another feeling of betrayal. I felt really betrayed. So, but what I didn't know was that was setting me up for something even greater. Hmm. But I would have never known that then. Shortly after that, I moved back from Oklahoma to North Carolina. And um, spirit would continue to appear in my life in different ways. So when I came back to North Carolina, um, I was trying to have a career. In, in Oklahoma, I was in sales and marketing. And so I came back to North Carolina and I wanted to be in sales and marketing, but I had always been an entrepreneur no matter what job I had. Mm -hmm. And um, spirit would tap me on the shoulder or do little things to let me know that it was present. So at one point, I decided I wanted to sell jewelry and I wanted to be a wholesaler. I was going to sell to jewelry stores. And initially, I was just really wanted to buy and sell. And so one day, I, I happened to not be too well. And I was at home from my little part-time job I was working. And I was going through a business phone directory and I called a jewelry company in Texas that was a manufacturer of fine jewelry. At the time I called, it was near lunchtime. The secretary had gone to lunch. The president of the company was walking by the phone and answered it. He talked to me. The, the name of the company was Gemline and within 30 minutes, he was so impressed that the next week he flew from Texas to North Carolina to meet me. Wow. And <laughs> he trusted me and believed in me enough to give me inventory of fine jewelry. And I began to sell jewelry. So just that whole, it happening to be lunch. Mm -hmm. The secretary happening to be gone. He happens to answer. So there were so many. There are events like that that happened over and over again mm -hmm. in my life. Right. Um, and I'm still searching for a church home. Because I had been conditioned to think that church was the place that I was going to go. Hmm. But I never really found a church home. Hmm. Um, by the early 2000s, um, one of my clients who was a writer for the Durham Herald Sun newspaper, would come in, a male client, and he was a he did editorials, and we would talk 
for hours at a time. And mostly about religion. Hmm. I didn't know that he was a pastor of a church. In my head, he was just an editorial writer. Hmm. So, um, and hopefully one day he'll come on our podcast and be interviewed. But he, we, he was one of the people who taught me so much about my connection with God and spirit in church. But I questioned everything. Oh. I questioned everything. I questioned praying in the name of Jesus because I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. Like, why did I need to do that? And he helped me through that. He gave me books to read that would help me on my journey. And I'd always said I love dancing. So at one point, he left the church. He was actually voted out of his church and he started his own ministry that was called Compassion Ministries of Durham. And I had visited the church that he was a pastor of maybe a, for three or four months before he was voted out. And one of those Sundays, I saw liturgical dance. I had no idea what that was. Had never seen people dancing in church. I grew up in, a, a, in the era when my grandmother thought it was a sin to dance. Hmm. but I danced because I enjoyed dance but I'd never seen it in church and I saw someone dancing and in my head that day I said I want to dance with her because it was so moving oh wow when he started the church Compassion Ministries this person was there and we ended up dancing together for 10 years in that church it was the, the first same person that same Wow. Exactly. You see, Spirit puts the people in front of us who we need. Absolutely. And to this and day, she again. is a friend of mine. She's in my life, and wow. our lives are connected and are very parallel. Um, so, being able to express and minister to people in dance was my first real connection with church where I found my place. I could dance and people would get a message or I could dance and they would be very emotional mm. or shout or thank me later like that, that I touched them. So it was huge for me. Yeah. It transformed my life in it. During that same time, I was continuing to seek. Um, though I, I knew that I had a connection where I was, but there was there were a lot of things that still didn't resonate with me. So, um, but the, I, I would say one of my, my um, experience with liturgical dance gave me some form of expression and grounding that I had never had before. Hmm. So that was really important dance for me. Dance is magic. Yes, it is. a huge channel. And to me alone, it's, it's worship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, that, that was a huge part of my life. Um, so it, it, during, during that time, I said I was still searching for um, a variety of things. Or searching, looking in a variety of places. One of my coworkers was Muslim, and I had Muslim friends, so I studied some of that. I had friends that were Jehovah Witness. I would 
get an understanding of some that. And probably a limited knowledge of a variety of things, mm-hmm. Buddhism. Um, but then there were things that I did that I was connected to that I had absolutely no idea why I connected with it. Hmm. So one of those things was um, I liked burning candles when I prayed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any reason to be doing that. Nobody told me that was necessary. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that's what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having in my own head an altar for what I considered my ancestors. One was my stepfather. He wasn't in my bloodline, but he was a huge uh, part of my life. And you said in your own head. In my own head. How like, does that work? I don't know. I, I, I just ever kept them close in your psyche. Like, well, in my own head, I was told that I needed to put their pictures somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I needed to go to that place on a daily basis. So I had a shelf. Oh. Like, I didn't read that I needed to have an altar. Mm-hmm. No one told me to have an altar. So you were hearing voices. I don't know if it was a voice, if it was in my spirit. I really can't (laughs) say for sure because it was quite some time ago, but I just knew it was something I was supposed to do. Don't laugh at people who hear voices. I was going to say, that's two of y'all. So I did. I had what was an altar for me. No, but it's voices, intuition, Intuition, spirit. Spirit. Ultimately spirit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Burning my candles. By then, I burned different candles for different things. They were different colored candles. So for love, it was pink. And for prosperity, it might have been green. And they were just different things. I began to pay attention to the moon. It was drawing me. Oh, you were doing voodoo. Yeah, that's what you were doing. I um, would, when the moon was growing, I would pray my intentions of what I wanted to grow. So if there was a new moon and it was growing, I prayed what I wanted to grow. Fascinating. When it was weaning or waning, I would pray about what I wanted to purge or to release or to get rid of. No one told me that that's what I needed to do. And it was probably a little different than my somewhat Christian upbringing. But it didn't matter to me. because it felt right. To yeah, me. I love that when when the spirits guide us and our intuition and maybe historical memory even, um, you know, it, it it makes us to know what to do to connect. Right. And we can feel the connection, even though no one told us to or no one is guiding us and no one's telling you it's right. Absolutely. And to be able to trust yourself and have faith that that you're not doing something crazy or that. What you feel is the truth. And I guess I got accustomed with being crazy. Like Mm -hmm. crazy was okay for me. Mm -hmm. I I guess if I'm crazy, great. Because Mm -hmm. when you really talk with people and you're being really honest and you're saying what other people won't say, you find out you're not the only crazy person. There are more crazy people that are just like you. So is it really crazy? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that, um, Having talked to so many people who have been like, well, I never told anybody this, but I have these dreams and they come true. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I've talked to how many times I've talked to some somebody and they've shared that exact same refrain or that yeah. they get these feelings, these premonitions, and and 
then we begin to open up and talk about it because I don't see it as quote unquote crazy. I see it as normal. And I encourage them to look at it as a gift and to tap into it. And then, wow, it really takes off from there because somebody gives them um, gives them the uh, permission that that is a normal thing and not a crazy thing. And if we were doing that from the time we were children, we would all be in a different place. Absolutely. Tapping into spirit. spirit. And we need permission to tap into spirit. Because because it's a taboo. You are not to talk about, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. (laughs) They're going to say you crazy. You need permission to tap into spirit. So I'm comfortable with that. I, um, most of the people in my circle, so I'm in the salon, specializing in natural hair care and my clients come to me to have their hair done but it's so much more than that mm-hmm. I don't know that I have any clients who are coming just to get their hair done they're coming for the voodoo yeah they need it <laughs> and so they seek it for the <laughs> spiritual enlightenment <laughs> Because people put a negative connotation on that, and we want to we want to certainly begin to change that. Because yes, we do. There's a power in the voodoo. Yes. There's a power in the spiritual essence, and it's not to be taken lightly. Like, um, like that, act, you know that the energy of that changed the course of the country of Haiti. Like yes. they were able to overcome tremendous odds to defeat an army that they weren't supposed to defeat based on the energy of utilizing that spiritual system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the society will make light of that. They will, you know, in the movies and then um, TV shows, you'll see them, oh, let's get these voodoo dolls and stick, you know, needles in. <laughs> that's not what that, you know, that's that's such a, um, I, people make light of it. And, but the other end and, of it is that people fear it. And uh, voodoo is an actual, I'm, I'm acting ignorant right now because I think it's funny, but voodoo <laughs> is an actual religion in Haiti. And mm-hmm. it is, it does deal very much with uh, dealing with earth spirits Absolutely. and earth um, elements and energy. And it's a sacred religion. And this, this society has totally demonized um, voodoo um, because I think that there are... Uh, historical references to uh, voodoo being one of the main things that uh, Toussaint L'Ouverture used during the Haitian Revolution, that it played a huge part in them having premonitions and them dreaming strategies. And, you know, the, I mean, there's all these different takes mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. um, of how the religion helped to uh, allow the people to rebel and revolt and eventually gain independence. And I think that that is a scary thing uh, for this world society of colonization, slavery, and dominance that we live in. And so, of course, we have to demonize, you know, that practice and make it scary. Um, not to say that there are not scary things in every religious practice, because there are. But um, well, absolutely, we, we show respect to voodoo, and, uh, and I, I, I beg apology for, for making jokes. If, 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 <laughs> no. if we know how power... Imagine what we would be able to do, what we could conquer. So it's important for someone that's going to colonize you or enslave you Mm -hmm. and have control over you to demonize 
where the source of power is because then you're going to stay away from it. And it won't take but a couple of generations and no one will want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I'm just trying to make sure because I'm sure some people listening won't know. So we're right. also, you know, providing information and don't just take what we're saying. Also go do your own research, research. and read about it and, and find out. Don't take anybody's word for anything like right. study you for yourself and learn about this for yourself so that you're coming from a place of your own internal knowledge and dialogue about things well back to the story so glenda is working magic in her salon and people are coming for the connection and the energy and the spiritual healing that is happening in that um environment yeah i would have clients who would come in um do things like tell me that there's this light around me or they're drawn to the light or um, even some bringing their journals to read to me Hmm. and ask opinions. Um, They would say they needed to just come and sit without an appointment because they needed the energy that was there. Hmm. Um, They would come with a burden and feel that they felt so much better when they left. Um, they would just, and it would happen all the time. Initially, yeah, you know, I was like, maybe it's coincidental. But it would happen on a weekly basis, multiple times a week, until I finally believed, like, okay, something is really happening here. Um, and I would continue to do my practices, some of them that I, again, felt like I created on my own, and continued to... Um, Pray. By that time, I was praying for the Creator to bring to me the people, places, and situations that I needed to show me my path. Wow. To give me what I needed and to also, oh, to decrease me so that the Spirit could be increased in me and that I could be used. Because I was being used, but I wanted to be used in a way that I wasn't telling people what to do and being being less of the human Glenda and connecting to whatever my spirit was. Hmm. Because sometimes, you know, we will we'll be able to help people or maybe we see that we um, motivate people or change lives and we... Can, it can grow our ego, mm-hmm. the negative part of ego, because I don't think ego itself is bad. Right. It's a self-awareness, that, but the negative part of ego. So I wanted to stay grounded and humble um, in the process. So I'm praying that prayer and doing what I felt was the work by that. So I'm still attending and dancing in, in church some. Um, at that time and from through a mutual friend I met Anthony Smith Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> and meeting Anthony Smith was a very was very interesting I knew who he was <laughs> couldn't have wouldn't have recognized him in a lineup of two people <laughs> but I knew the name um, and he wasn't someone I really cared to get to know in my own head. Hmm. 
and um, he convinced me he was worth getting to know. He's and very so convincing. He can be. So once I met him, um, you realized he was fascinating. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> then I met him, and so um, in that was in I think 2016, and that year, um, I at, at that point I was going to Europe for the month of April pretty much every year, and I'd go to Europe, and then I would travel different places, and so. I'll let him know. So I'm going to Europe. And he decided he would come visit while I was in Europe. Mm-hmm. That same year, he was going to Nigeria. And so I was like, so, but I'd like to come to you, with you when you go to Nigeria. So um, that's what happened. Hmm. He came to visit Europe and I decided I'm, I'm going to visit Nigeria. And by that time, I knew a little bit about Yoruba tradition, just very little. Mm-hmm. And what little bit I knew was like, wow, they have an ancestral altar in this tradition. Like me. I'm doing something burn like that. Candles. They burn like candles. Wow, this is really interesting. Imaginary friend. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so there was some feeling of connection, and I wanted to learn more about it. And so in my head, I'm going to go to Nigeria and I'm going to have hand ephi and I'm going to get a destiny reading. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back armed with some information. My destiny reading, if I had been born on the continent, maybe in Nigeria, I probably would have had that at birth. Mm -hmm. And I would know what I'm supposed to do very young. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting hearing Dr. Cambone talk about that in Ghana and the Akan tradition and so that's what I wanted to do so I um, packed my bags went to Nigeria that year and arrived and I think we flew into what's it Accra Lagos Lagos we flew into Lagos drove to Ibadan and Talked with about Palau. Maybe I, maybe we had been there 20 minutes when I got a reading. Hmm. I was like, well, let's get started. I'm, you know, we we're going to be there for about two weeks. I got my reading. And in that reading from a Babalao who knew my name and my mother's name, he told me things he would have no way of knowing about me. Yes. And my father, who had transitioned showed up in that reading. Wow. Uh, my father had, I have since learned some connections to Nigeria. And I was told that I needed to be initiated hmm. as a priestess. And that if I were going to be initiated, there was a possibility I would have to shave my head. Hmm. And I had locks for nine years that were beautiful. beautiful. Down my they back. And I did locks and I was like, nope, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. A payment for enlightenment. Spirit began to work with me. Before I went 
to Nigeria. One of my coworkers had been diagnosed. She had already been diagnosed with cancer and she lost all of her hair. And she wanted me to teach her how to do head wraps because mm-hmm. she was trying to cover her bald head. And so we went to the store, bought fabric. We practiced doing head wraps and they just don't stay well on a bald head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kept telling her like, you're so beautiful. You should just wear your bald head. Mm. Why are you trying to hide it? Mm. You, I think you're gorgeous. Mm. And I gave her earrings and another co-worker. And we talked about just how beautiful you are. Don't cover it up. So I'm in Nigeria not wanting to be initiated because I might have to have a bald head. <laughs> See how that comes right back around. Right on me. I'm like, so Glenda, are you being a hypocrite? Right. You're telling this person who is going through something life-threatening to wear their bald head and be proud of it. And you've traveled thousands of miles for something that could change your life and it be one of the best decisions, but you're not going to do it because you might have to have a bald head. Right. Well, who are you? Hmm. Are you who you say you are? I decided I would go through with it. I hadn't been there a whole hour. It was my first time even on the continent of Africa. I'd never <laughs> been there before. So I was initiated. Um, it was an interesting couple weeks. Um, I learned a lot about myself and what I can do. And... Um, so I accepted being part of the Ifa tradition and a priestess. I felt like it helped to magnify what I already had, my mm. gift. And that's the thing that's fascinating to me about your story, how like with teachers, without teachers, with tools, without tools, you were consistently building your own spiritual power through practices that you were guided to by spirit itself or by your intuition or by your quote-unquote imagination and having faith and believing that uh, this was necessary and important and you consistently uh, focused on it and gave energy to it until you then saw it like manifested in your life. Like you could see it happening, you know, Mm -hmm. people responding to it in ways that... um, that you know you wouldn't that they weren't before and so I I I find that fascinating because we always look for like teachers or like you know we always want the piece of paper right that says I am you know a priestess or I am you know right uh, you know something I don't know a shaman or you know I'm a I'm a pastor you know the, the piece of paper but sometimes the thing the exercises that we do on our own with spirit can be even more powerful than the things that are, you know, in a book or, you know, professed to us by a person. And we won't, we won't necessarily follow them as readily as something that someone else delivers to us. That's a good point, Zawadi. I, in, in my life, um, being sales and marketing, one of the things that you are, you learn is to deal with like positive mental attitude Mm -hmm. and, Thoughts become things and um, manifesting. And I, to me, I thought this had to do with sales and marketing. They when teach that very, in sales and marketing? Absolutely. Oh, like when you're know. going to be great at it and successful at it, uh-huh. you visualize the outcome of this. 
So, it, I mean, you're going in. I I can I sell advertising, and some of these people were paying two and three thousand dollars a month for this advertising every month. To me, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. There, you're spending several thousand a month on advertising. These are big accounts, so you wanted to visualize your desired outcome. So very early on, I began to do things like that. Visualize my desired outcome. Um, I can remember during the time I was in Oklahoma going to a class, Silver Mind Control. Mm -hmm. So really dealing with mind, the power of my mind and understanding that. Mm -hmm. The power Um, of the subconscious. (laughs) There are a lot of books about that. Um, The Greatest Salesman on Earth, for for example, Uh is a book that speaks to that. And it takes you through a process of, through the story of understanding how to tap into your subconscious and allow those um, wonderful things to manifest for you. So not only for sales, but just for life in general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was introduced to it by sales, but later in life I found it to be beneficial in anything that you do. I mean, just that was just my introduction to it because I didn't have any other point of introduction in my life at that point. Like Mm -hmm. my family didn't introduce me to it. It was something I found trying to be the best that I could be at that job. So mm-hmm. um, so that was something that I did. And I also learned to trust how I felt to connect to, a, to my feeling about something versus always letting it be what I think about it. Like, right. Because some stuff feels right. Uh-huh. You connect to it. Uh-huh. It's comfortable. You really can feel that it belongs to you, with you, part of you. Hmm. And if it does, I'm going with it. Mm. And so that was a learned behavior. Right. Because often we, like, it has to be logical and we need to do the research and we need all the facts. And sometimes we don't connect to what's in our gut. And being logical and learning the facts is also a learned behavior. It is. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's put upon us. It's, mm-hmm. it's taught to us, like, from a young, young age. And, um, wow. And, and, and then, you know, the whole thing about the world being a spiritual laboratory. Yes. You know, like, every single experience that we have being something that is refining and honing and giving us lessons and helping us to really tap into our spiritual gifts and our, you know, intuition and our abilities and just constantly grow and evolve. And when you talk about the the whole experience with the sales, you know, it like even sometimes, you know, I will bump into people who are like, what should I do? I'm seeking, I'm seeking. Where should I go? Who's going to teach me? Who's going to teach me? But you're already being taught. <laughs> you're, you're just now verbalizing that you want to be taught, but life is constantly teaching you. Mm-hmm. It's all a question of your perspective of the lessons that you're constantly learning. And that this journey is about perfecting that, our own inner soul spirit. Like we, we, we know that when we transition, we aren't dying we're transitioning and that energy is going somewhere and we can in my belief you can return mm. and you may not remember your previous lives mm. but it's refining that inner part of of us that spirit our soul and 
I, I do believe that sometimes we come back because we didn't learn that lesson and we have to come back and we have some lessons to learn. Or So you're right. This whole life, it, it really is about that. Yeah. And it's very important to me. So, so you obviously came back, Glenda. Where do you think you were in your past life? Well, one time I thought <laughs> that at one point I was a man and that I didn't treat women well. And so I had to come back as a woman ah. and see how men treat women. Ah. Now, I don't know where that came from and why I came to that conclusion. Hmm. But at some point in my life, I thought that. To learn compassion. Um, one of my coworkers has come to you. For a reading mm. yeah, and talked to Ade Kimmy and Ade Kimmy so when I met her she I don't remember meeting her I was at North Carolina Central University's homecoming and her friend saw my hair I had my locks then and I had a style that she wanted and this girl is probably 6'3 she looked like she was and she's running toward me and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to knock her out. I'm gonna have to get her in her knees. <laughs> She's gonna hurt me. Why is this person running toward me? And I, it just kind of shocked me. And she was like, "That's what I want. That's exactly what I want." She wanted my hairstyle. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you, who did that?" I was. I told her I work in a salon, and I gave her the card for working in the salon. And so. She came by the salon to make an appointment maybe a couple weeks later. And with her was a person who is currently my coworker. Huh. This is spirit again working. I did not see her that day. Don't remember her at all. But she had moved from Ohio and had her own path in a lot of events that where spirit were was working in her life. But she came into the salon and wanted to find out about working there. She was an esthetician of over 20 years doing skincare. And for people, women of color, there aren't a lot of us who specialize in skincare. Oh, I didn't know and that. And so, it, it, like for women who get facials um, and body treatments, especially 20 years ago. So how does this connect ago. to you, who you were in your past life? Yeah, you're here. Okay. Okay, you gotta be patient. Okay, a grasshopper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, she comes into the salon. She, I tell, you know, we agree that she can work there. And we begin to grow our relationship. And it was so unusual that my birthday September 26th, her birthday September 30th. We completed each other's sentences. She's only worked with me five years. Wow. Um, she knew me. And I knew her. But I didn't ever meet her before. Hmm. And it seemed really, really unusual. Like this person. I, we got along so well that it was strange. And one day she came to you for a reading. And she asked Ade Kimmy, like, what did I have to do in her life? Well, Ade Kimmy told her I was her sister in another life. Hmm. That we were we're sisters. Wow. And that we were by the river. I taught her how to work with her hands mm -hmm. and how to weave. And they didn't say weaving what? Whether I'm weaving fabric or whether I'm weaving uh, baskets or I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I taught her to weave. And that, that helped her to have income and that I was a good sister to her. Hmm. So in the salon, she came as an esthetician. I taught her to do hair. Mm. 
Oh, you taught her to weave again. I taught her to do <laughs> hair. She mastered it, and I helped her to get licensed. Wow. And it has increased her income tremendously. Oh, wow. So in a past life, she would, that's one of my past lives as oh, well. Oh, wow. That's what Ida Kenny said, and I believe what everything Ida Kenny says. Wow. So, yeah, that's how um, that kind of ties in together. But, um, yeah, I've had other past lives. Who were you in your past life, Anthony? Um... That's, that's another whole podcast. I don't want to take it. I don't want to go off from from Glenda, and I don't, you know, I don't remember all the details at the moment. But I'm interested in, um, you know, as you've told your story, how spirit guides and helps you in your life and in what you do now. And in the various different situations and people you encounter. Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm going to try to speak about that. So spirit, for me now, um, first of all, spirit guides me with even choosing my clients. Because I do choose clients. Oh, so I, anyone who walks in cannot be my client. Wow. I'm not able to do it. I'm an empath, and I need to be able to be comfortable with the people that I work with. I ask new clients to come for a consultation. Oh. I believe they need to be comfortable with me. I'm touching your head. That's your crown. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And I'm tr we're transferring energy. Mm -hmm. So I require a consultation mm -hmm. before I take a new client. I want them to see and feel the space they're going to be in and to meet the person. That's going to be dealing with their uh, crown. Um, so that's one way in which spirit guides me with what I do. There are other ways that I um, am working with spirit as I am um, doing hair or just in the salon. Uh, there are times that there will be someone with an issue and spirit will guide me to an answer. Hmm. Um the example of a, a client that I've had for double-digit years who was losing hair, and we couldn't understand it. Like She had had beautiful thick hair, losing hair, and we, didn't, we had no idea why. Um, I knew that she was having problems with eczema, and Spirit on one day told me that it was her medication oh. that was causing her to lose hair. And I asked, like... Mm. Because uh, I've had to, I'm the stubborn child mm -hmm. that has to like, I don't want to ask that. That might sound strange, but spirit right. makes me do it. So I, I was like, so have you looked at the side effects of your medication? And she's like, no. And so she did. We did it right there. We Googled it. Both of the medications, one of the top, one of them, the second side effect was hair loss. The other one, the third was hair wow. loss. So it, that's another way in which it guides me. Um, because I just, my goal is to just live connected to spirit. Mm -hmm. I also was introduced to power thought cards and wisdom cards. And very often spirit will tell me it's time for me to let someone choose a card. Mm -hmm. And I will fight 
initially like no I don't want to what if they think this is weird that I'm giving them these cards because I believe I've given someone a card before and it was so accurate it scared her away (laughs) (laughs) she just stopped coming but um so that's one of the another one of the things it has really been amazing to see um how we can have this conversation and spirit will lead me to Power, thought, or wisdom card. I get the deck of cards. We set our intention. They choose a card. And it will be spot on for what they're dealing with. And I'll have them take the card with you. Hmm. Read it every day. Because that's your card. So just a few of the ways Mm -hmm. in which it guides me. So if you have a consultation and spirit, does it ever happen that you have a consultation and someone is not? Absolutely. And then what do you do? You just tell them that peace, right? Be out. (laughs) That I don't feel that I'm the stylist for them. That I believe that there is someone else that's better suited for them. Wow. I've done that. I've accepted people and then had to tell them that I couldn't do their hair anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I can remember early on doing someone's hair that I dreaded their visit every time they came. Every time it was time for their appointment to come, I dread just the thought of them coming in because of gave the energy. me anxiety. I just didn't like how I felt. Mm. So I that day, I knew that I was going to tell her she couldn't come back. I did her hair and I did it for free. Wow. And then I told her I couldn't do it anymore. Wow. And when she when I tell you she was angry with me, mm. before that she complained about everything. And it was always something wrong. And so she was it, angry. Anyway. All the way, all the time. And so I was like, this isn't good. If, if you're not happy with what you're getting, and I'm not happy when I see you come, yeah. then we, we, you know, we need to change this. Right. So I did her hair for free. Yeah. And then she was so upset at me. Mm. But I, you know, I wasn't going to go back on that. I just because it becomes it. like a bad relationship. It was, right? a, yes, and it was and abusive. energy is uh, toxic energy. Mm-hmm. And she just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that her hair was done well. Mm-hmm. But if you're just an unhappy person, I won't be able to make you happy. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to. And as a healer, it's really important to be able to <clears throat> um, feel a harmony with the person you Definitely. are healing. Harmony, and... uh, sense of, but, like, I want to feel that when, I, when I'm healing servicing someone that I'm doing something that's good for them. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I don't want to create any negative feelings or emotions for them. Mm-hmm. And if we both are feeling that, then we need to evaluate whether this relationship needs to continue or not. And you know, to me, it's a no. So that is how the act of styling hair becomes a spiritual experience because you are controlling the energy around the experience for yourself and for the person. Absolutely. So there's a vibration happening. Because you spoke and of that. Going Was that you that talked about getting your hair done uh-huh. and it being spiritual and how you enjoy yeah. going? Yeah, absolutely. My stylist, I've been with her for 10 years maybe. And I go there looking for her energy. Um, I need, I sometimes there's, there's, there's a, a, a how to say it, it's it's a determination that she has. And I, I really think she's related to me. 
She may be. I so, really think she's a past life kindred spirit. And so I feel that way about a lot yeah. of my clients. My clients, yeah. a lot of them say the same thing, that I'm their family. Yeah. Um, I have, I can't tell you how many clients I've done for 18 years mm-hmm. and 15 years where I've done their hair when they were in college and now their children will soon be going to college mm-hmm. and they're still coming. Mm-hmm. And it's a relationship mm-hmm. that... Um, mm-hmm. Because it's a it's an energy exchange. It's it like is, that absolutely. time. It's like that time when we hugged, mm-hmm. and it was an energy exchange, and we both sort of went to another world, and we couldn't let go of each other, mm-hmm. and it was just like a healing ritualistic. No homo. <laughs> no homo. <laughs> no. That's a joke. It's okay. That's acceptable these days. It's acceptable these days. Love is love. It is um, love. So. Um, Yes, yeah, because an anytime that we as people, um, you know, connect, whether physically or mentally or, or energetically, we are exchanging. And sometimes, you know, it may be a one-way exchange. Sometimes it's a two-way exchange, hopefully. But in every situation, not only in church, not only in, oh, no. you know, in temples or in rituals or ceremonies or religious practices. And I think that your life story really illustrates that well that you know the 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 thirst to seek and grow and gain enlightenment and understand your intimate connection with energy and spirit on your own without another human being um you know insisting or guiding or setting the rules um is is a sacred act Mm -hmm. and it transcends every single area of our lives and when we see it that way that's when we gain um, that that power within ourselves. And when you think about what hair is, I can take a few strands of your hair and I can know more about you than you really want me to know. You see, it's the voodoo. It's DNA. <laughs> you see? It's DNA. When you get yes, your, it's it's your, it is your it DNA. It can clone you from your, your hair. hair. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's your crown. Mm-hmm. That like We're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just to think I'm manipulating inches from your brain. Mm-hmm. Because your dermis on your scalp is not so thick. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people have a fat head. <laughs> so the dermis on your scalp is not so thick. The bone is only so thick. Mm-hmm. And then there's the meninges that covers the brain, and then there's the brain. Mm-hmm. It's very close. Mm-hmm. And all of what you're dealing with is porous. Mm-hmm. So there's something absorbing, and you don't even have to have por- it, it to be porous in order for energy to be absorbed. Hmm. And so and I'm receiving the energy and giving, and so are my clients. So, yeah. And I remember in Rastafari, too, they talk about the hair being an antenna. Absolutely. You know, the locks being sacred and the hair being sacred. People hmm. of African descent are the only people whose hair grows upward. Our hair grows toward the sky. It does not grow straight down hmm. like some of our uh, Caucasian friends and people in our life. So it it is an antenna. It's growing toward where we perceive mm-hmm. there to be spirit, heaven. People may say God, mm-hmm. whatever. But we are the only people that our hair grows up. Wow. To me, that's once that I learned that or that came to my consciousness, I was amazed by that. Mm-hmm. It speaks a lot. It is an antenna. How about yeah. the Mexican people with the spiky hair? I believe that. 
that those people also are of African descent. I, I know that people on the continent of Africa populated the entire planet. Yeah. So everybody's of African descent. Well, some aren't. <laughs> Another podcast. Um, I do have one other question about um, as you're talking about the energy exchange and being so close, are there things that you do to protect yourself from um, energy from somebody that might not be positive? So I would say there's more that I do. So I definitely would say protecting would be what I do before I go to work, uh, whether it's prayer um, and connecting with my ancestors is definitely part of my practice. But I also do things to sh- get rid of energy because I really don't want to bring anyone else's energy with me. Um, so I have Florida water that I use. I keep it in the salon all the time. Um, I burn candles. I had a conversation today with someone who brought up ways in which I should get rid of energy, who does the uh, Akashic reading. She happened to come by and uh, talk with me. But I burn candles. Um, and the Florida water, what, what do you do with the, that? The Florida water, I use it to cleanse energy through my hands and my body. It is, um, it's actually, I remember it as a child being part of my father's barbershop. Hmm. I oh, saw wow. it in the barbershop as a child. Wow. Had no idea, um, but you it can. Use it as an astringent. I use it on in my the hand, shop. and the and the barbershop is used as an aftershave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that's really what it sold. It's in a beauty supply store, but it's used in some spiritual practices as a cleanser. Mm-hmm. And if you Google cleansing baths, that's pretty much all of them will have you put Florida water in it. Okay. In multiple practices. So um, it's something that I, I use to cleanse my hands sometimes. Also energy from my body. And then um, using my intentions, I also get rid of the energy that I may have that is not mine. Um, it's something that I need to do. I need, That's something I should do more than I do, but... It is definitely a practice. And then bathing, taking spiritual baths are also another way in which um, you can cleanse. What are Even spiritual in the baths? What are spiritual baths, Glenda? So a spiritual bath for me is a bath in which I am, um, I have an intention, a spiritual intention in this either shower or tub. Um, I may put things in it that I will put things in the tub that are cleansing. I may use sage. I may use Florida water. Um, even some flowers sometimes may go in the bath. There are other things. And I will get in that, fill it up with water, put in what I want, and then with my intentions, I'm either cleansing myself of something or sometimes drawing something to me. Um, in a shower, I will cleanse by washing my body away from me so instead of bringing it toward me i will wash away and imagine cleaning cleaning myself of anything that i don't want Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you started with love. You want to tie all this together and end in love? Okay. So to tie it all together, um, one of the things that I would say that would tie it together is I have a love and a passion for what I do. Um, what I do on a daily basis is what I did for free when I worked in sales and marketing. Mm. I gave away hairstyles. When people did not feel good, uh, were going through something, I would have them come over. I would do their hair and I would talk to them. And magically, they would feel better a couple hours after. We this were your together. co-workers? Co-workers, friends, family. It didn't matter. Hmm. i just do it for them. Um, so and you were moving energy even in, even at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Helping I, to, to shift move the energy. energy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. It just seemed like it happened. But I, it was something I loved to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a connection with it. Um, so that's one way in which love is tied with it. Um, in my process, I've also had to learn to love me. And that has been one of my biggest challenges. Oh, wow. Is learning to love myself. That's true. Um, it is a huge challenge. Um, loving myself like I'm created with my dark skin, my kinky hair, my big lips, um, all of who I am. And it wouldn't matter. I would still need to love me if I had light skin and less kinky hair because it doesn't really matter we've been taught to not love ourselves so that's been a process is really learning so self-love you know i'll use the christian reference we say you should um love your neighbor like you love yourself well if you don't love yourself is you don't have to that little loving your neighbor like you love yourself you don't really love yourself so you may not even really love your neighbor very well right so that working on self-love, self-acceptance has been a huge part mm-hmm. of my journey when it comes to love. And then last but not least is loving those that are difficult to love. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on that one. Mm-hmm. I work on it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, like the president? Uh, <laughs> maybe not. I don't think so. I don't think so. There have to be a human being, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, no, I don't really mean that. He can't well, get you mean his, my president. He can't get his hair did in the salon. He's I think not, you, he's not allowed. He in has the a salon. comb over. I believe my president. You must mean uh, President Obama. Obama. Yeah. yeah, that was, he's easy to love. But yeah, yeah, trying to love those that may be difficult to love um, has worked for me because I believe that one of the things I had did gain from Christianity, if you can love someone enough, attend to what their immediate need is. If they're cold, help them be warm. If they're hungry, to feed them. If they attend to what their immediate need is and just love them enough they will eventually, in a lot of cases, especially if they're hungry, be able to realize the love of Spirit, God, the Most High. Mm. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Most people really do want to be loved. Mm. 
Wow, that's beautiful. That's a great place to end. Um, wow, this was really great. Thank yes. you so much for sharing all of this. We love Thank you. you for yeah. Yeah, we learned so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I think it, it certainly challenges people to think about their own process and being open to sharing those hidden thoughts that they may think nobody else identifies with. So um, thanks for, for sharing that. And as always, you know, we thank you all for listening and for joining into the conversation. Yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.